Nordoff Robbins is a music therapy charity. We believe in the value of music for all people in society. We want to live in a world where through music, human potential is recognised regardless of disability, illness or social exclusion. We hope that by listening and hearing about the value of music through the eyes of these artists in this podcast, you will begin to understand how music and music therapy can benefit the lives of those who are faced with significant challenges. Find out more about music therapy and Nordoff Robbins at nordoff-robbins.org.uk. When my dad passed away, that was a really, really big thing for me. And it really helped me by making music and writing because I was going down a very slippery slope at the time. You're just channeling all this energy into something. Hello and welcome to Three Track Therapy. I'm Chris Hawkins. I'm a radio presenter and I love how amazing music makes us feel. And I'm Louise Gregg, a music therapist at Nordoff Robbins Music Therapy. I help people with their physical and emotional well-being through the shared experience of playing music together. In each episode of this series, Lou and I are joined by a different musician who will share the three tracks that have had the biggest influence on their lives. Could be a song that they've written themselves or a track by another artist, whatever their selection. Three Track Therapy is all about allowing artists and songwriters to open up about key pieces of music that have helped them to process and then share how they feel. I'd die without music. It directs my moods and it just completely changes how I feel mentally. Our guest for Three Track Therapy in this episode is singer and actress Colette Cooper. Colette's a jazz singer whose unique voice has led to performing sellout shows at venues including the Jazz Cafe, the 100 Club and the Roundhouse in London. Her music, which has been influenced by artists including Bessie Smith, Nina Simone and sister Rosetta Tharp, has also led to her being chosen to perform at charity events for the likes of Samuel L. Jackson and Vivian Westwood. We'll hear tracks that she's chosen from her debut album Lost, as well as a bonus track by an artist she's preparing to play in a brand new stage show. Colette, as a kid, was there always music in your house? My mum and dad liked to sing and my brother's a professional singer in Canada. But I was brought up with a lot of music around me. Uh, my dad had great taste, eclectic taste in music, so he introduced me to so, so many great artists. And so I was like bought instruments when I was a kid and very much encouraged to play them. Um, not that I'm very good, but yeah, so we were always putting on little shows and musical little little things and... Yeah, it was fun. It was great. I mean, I, I suppose just like any any kid growing up. You said that your dad had really good taste. What was he listening yeah. to? Johnny Cash. I mean, you know, he loved Johnny Cash. He loved Elvis. He loved Perry Como. <laughs> but I like Perry Como. But he introduced me to a lot of great female artists like Bessie Smith, uh, Billie Holiday, Nina Simone, Edith Piaf. Just great, great female artists. How old were you when you feel like music started to become a part of your life, if you, if you like? I was probably around nine when my dad bought me some keyboards and um, I literally drove everybody mad playing the Blue Daniel Walls. It was the only thing I could, I could play. So I just played it every single day, all day. Um, but that was the start for me when I, I realised I just, it, it really resonated with me that it, it made me feel alive. It made me feel energetic. It gave me energy. And I just naturally sang with it, but I never considered myself, uh, especially at that age, a singer. I just really enjoyed it. Was music a part of uh, school for you? Yes, definitely. 
when I was in the infant school, I was in the choir and then same in um, high school. And we did quite a few musicals at school that I was always involved in. Or We had a little group where we'd write little plays and, and songs. The first actual, the first record I actually ever bought was, it was Kinks and it was on a little vinyl, the little small ones. And I remember buying that and taking it to school. And everyone was like, who's that? Um, I was always really into lots of old music. Even then, I wasn't really into the popular cultural music at that time when I was growing up. So I was always fascinated by um, the old iconic singers like Bessie Smith and, you know, all, all, all the old Motown singers, men too. I was, I was really into really into that. Mainly because, as I said, as a very young age, I grew up in a household where my mum and dad used to sing a lot. They'd have parties, they'd always, always be singing. And, um, and when my dad um, bought me my little keyboard, he'd show me little blues riffs on it. Probably trying to persuade me not to play Blue Daniel Walsh. But, um, he, so I think, I just think it's, an, it's a surrounding and an upbringing that you have if you're surrounded by that. And music was a you know, big part of our lives. My brother went on to be a musician and, yeah, and just introduced us to just such great music. You've uh, gone on to become not just a, a singer, but uh, an actress, artist and broadcaster with your own podcast too. Uh, would you say that your work as a musician allows you to connect with your emotions more than those other roles? When I'm acting, I'm very much just really into that and that's my passion. Um, although... Funny enough, it's when I am taking on a role, I listen to music to get me into that character or to get me into the mood. Music's very much a massive part of developing a character for me. And so when I'm doing music, I'm just all my passions and energy are into that. And I use my, I guess, acting skills when I come to performing it. So they both very important to each other. You've got uh, three tracks to discuss with yes. uh, Louise and myself and uh, two of your own and uh, yeah. one by one of your favourite artists. What's yes. first? If we can go with um, Don't Throw Your Love Away, which is from my album Lost. That particular song uh, is about um, a past love um, and um, just like any sort of breakup relationship, it's the, you know, it's the, the sadness, the pain that you go through that we can all relate to. Was that a theme that ran throughout the, the course of the whole album or is it just, just this track? It's just that one track, yeah. It's quite, it's quite eclectic, I think. I, I, I kind of just had all these feelings inside me about various things. And <clears throat> that was uh, a time in my life where, you know, I wanted to express. Is there any certain ways that um, music has helped you do that? So is it just in the lyrics? Is it, do you sort of improvise first? Like what, how do you connect what you're feeling and experiencing to, to the music that then comes out of you? Sometimes a melody comes first and it's, and I just improvise around a melody and I have a little um, recording on my phone and I, wherever I am, bus stop, in the bath, I just quickly just then sing it into my phone. But the, the lyrics were very like a diary, really. And then you kind of put the two together and hope it works. I always think you use your voice very much as a tool, as a, 
a way of expressing what you're saying, even more so than what you've written? That has a lot to do with where you're, you're, you're from, how you're brought up. As a person, as a person who, you know, who you are, we express differently. So it's like an accent. So if you put an accent into a song, it's your personality coming out. So it's how you tell a story, I guess. You know, being a northerner, you know, we're quite out there, aren't we, when we tell a story. So it's, this is how it is. And I guess sometimes that, you know, it does come out in your voice. Yeah, there's actually, there's a bit um, in this track where you jump the octave and yeah. it, it just like really, the impact of that is really high because it, it just really increases the intensity. And I think particularly because the first part of the song, you've sort of got that, that really low, warm feel. Like when you do jump the octave, the impact of that is massive. And I, it's it's what you're saying. Yeah. It's It's managing to portray the story just through what you do with your voice outside of any lyrical content or anything else yeah it's it's an emotion that um i guess it's like anything when we have a conversation and you know you get passionate about something you change you know your vocals change and mm-hmm. it's to yeah convey how you're feeling you know musicians often talk about music and writing being an outlet uh, this for for you was this album a way of getting something out of your system? Definitely, because um, like anybody else, when we when we have you know when we have traumas in our lives or you know sadness, we it, we f- try and find a way to express it, whether it be through sport or painting or singing, you know, making music, and if as being creative, if you don't get that out, it can make you quite ill. And I think when my dad passed away, that was a really, really big thing for me. And it really helped me by making music and writing because I was going down a very slippery slope at the time, drinking heavily. And it was just, it kind of leveled me off. It, it, it kind of shook me up. I got all these feelings and emotions out and was able to be creative and otherwise, God knows, you know, what would have happened. At that time, did you feel like you were just pouring yourself into music for yourself? Like how, I'm interested, yes. like how did that journey take you to a point where you felt like that was something you wanted to release? Because that, that's a really vulnerable thing to to have this music that's been really uh, the thing that's that saved you from the space that you're in to then want to share that with the people around you? Like, how, how did that process go for you? That's so, actually, what you just said is really true because I it helped, I did it for me. I only did it for me when I wanted to start to write and get, you know, have all these feelings and emotions out there and I wanted to write a story. And then when I worked with other musicians on it and we were developing it and we were playing it live, it was then I thought this is, you know, let, let's, let's, you know, get this down. Let's record this. And um, it's so funny because it's such a process. By the time you develop it and you're performing it for a good year or six months and then you record it and put it out there, you forget about actually how you felt when you started it. It doesn't become as raw. How, how dark was it for you? Yeah, no, it was quite dark, actually. It, it was quite dark. Um, I mean, I'm I'm somebody who who's always had kind of a really healthy lifestyle, play a lot of netball, a lot of sport, never really been, you know, a big drinker or into anything else. And I just, 
I, I just started hanging around with the wrong people, drinking too much. And yeah, it got really dark, actually, um, to a point where I remember waking up thinking, oh, my God, my dad would just roll over in his grave. What am I doing? Get back to netball for a start. You know, it, it did get dark. Yeah. So did did Lost work then as a form of therapy? Without a doubt. You're just channeling all this energy into something and you come up with, whether it's good or whether it's bad, you're coming up with something creative and it's a real release. It's a huge part of what we do um, in music therapy where music just lets you hold the energy and it lets you hold different energies at the same time. So it's kind of this this beautiful, spacious place where we can let all of those things be and they actually do something meaningful when they're in that space. So it's not just sort of outlet for outlet's sake, but you can let out that energy into music and it actually creates something, which I think is part of the part of the thing that makes it feel meaningful and feel cathartic to us when we're actually making it. Yeah. And it's a real freedom. It's a real liberation, isn't it? You know, it's like you say, it's an outlet and you, it's just, I don't know, it's... It's like going for a big run or something. It's just pours out. Is there a line in Don't Throw Your Love Away that you feel particularly passionate about, that you really love performing? Yes, there is, yeah. Did you want me to sing it? (laughs) Go on. Okay, it goes like... um, I got a little time to make you stay And throw my arms around you and cry I got a little time to hide the pain. I don't want to play this love game. Love it. That like old standard feel about it. it. I don't know another type of music that holds that like, that can hold like romance and heartache at the same time. Um, it reminds me a little bit of the feel in um, Billie Holiday's version of Body and Soul. Oh, that's a real compliment. That's great. Thank you. Like, Thank it's you. just because... got that, like, lovely laid-back vibe, but that still holds the, like, tension of everything that you're talking about within the song. You're, oh, like, a jazzer at heart, aren't you? Well, yes, I'm very, very much influenced by jazz and blues, but I would never, I wouldn't call myself a jazz singer as such because sure. I've, ne- I've never had any formal training and uh, there are some great jazz vocalists out there who have trained all their lives and they use every jazz chord, you know, every phrasing and they are <laughs> phenomenal and they can scat. I can yodel, they can scat. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but I'm heavily influenced and I kind of just take all my influences and just do my own thing with it. And however it's perceived, you know, it's up to whoever wants to perceive it in their own way. A second track now from you, Colette. What's it going to be? Perfect Girl from my album Lost. Perfect, perfect girl with your hair in curls. Perfect, perfect girl in your perfect world. It's very tongue-in-cheek, that that song but it's also has a darkness to it and it's about the illusion of stardom perfect girl is a real performance song and it's a real storytelling song about you know an iconic figure i like singing it because it makes me giggle and it's it's very theatrical and it's got dark tones in it and my, my inspiration actually was kurt Weil for that 
yeah that that level of drama and that that sort of tinge of darkness about it is really uh it's really held in the music and in the arrangement of it do you when you're writing do you kind of do you have much um sway over that so like for example that like really dramatic bass intro that then like mm. quickly changes to yeah. um the like quite high register piano chords it yeah. feels like a bit of a shock especially when yeah. you contrast it with perfect girl the lyric it's not the lyric that you're expecting off the back of this like big yeah. heavy bass drama it's exactly how i intended it. i i wanted it to be just really i wanted it just to be me in the double bass for quite a long time and just just to build the drama quite you know almost cinematic um and just just building the thrill of it the you know the drama of it the intensity of it before the you know the piano comes in and Francois uh, Moreau who played the double bass and that is French and he's he's quite dramatic himself and it, it you know he did it really well that kind of leads like you get part way through the song and then there's that really drastic feel change which took me by surprise and hearing you talk about it it makes total sense in terms of the like theatrical storytelling element it's kind of like you go from that like slow pacey four that kind of feels like a slow horror from like klezmer music like yeah especially with that accordion (laughs) in there as well yeah like it's in a minor key and then suddenly you're in this like major key with like a quick waltz like dancey bright feel yeah um Again, that was again. I think it it was the darkness of this character's experience and where she goes as well. And then it's the she's in the you know the bright lights. This is fantastic. So you can imagine uh, if it was if it was a film. I was thinking if this was a film. She'd be there with all the bright lights and everyone cheering her and you're amazing and da da da. Then all of a sudden, doom, the reality sets in of what it's really about. There's a lot of lyrical repetition in Perfect Girl. Yes. Um and that I'm assuming was to make to make a point. There's there's obviously the repetition of Perfect Perfect Girl, but there's also at the end of sections you've got like uh, forget you're a sinner, you will expire. And yeah. um, what was your what was your thinking behind behind that repetition? I think it was it's because it's parts of it are quite because the the neurosis of it, the neurosis of the character, so I guess for the the dramatic value as well. I particularly like this little um, few lines here. Um, Your light still shines. Your face is a shrine. We all desire what you've acquired, but you will expire. You will expire. Perfect, perfect girl. Da, da, da. Chilling, that, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is it? Oh, good. Oh, good, good. Uh, the sense of performance that uh, Lou's alluded to and, and that you've talked about there, um, are, are you in character when you're performing? I'm not in character. Um, when I perform that particular song, I do kind of go into this sort of weird dark place because I want to I want to portray the that that particular character in the way um it's being played if that makes sense you know it's an illusion so when we talk about the middle eight the 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 that part when you know the audience is there and she's she's loving all this and this is amazing I'm wonderful and then it goes back into that dark place again 
I do kind of go into some kind of character, I think. But generally, no, I'm pretty much myself up there. But I do sometimes feel like I come out of my own body. And I, I kind of feel like I'm um, in a bit of a trance sometimes. Because when I come off stage for, it's all a bit muffled. I can't remember exactly what I've done. But I've heard that with other performers as well, actually. You kind of have an out-of-body experience. It's a bit bizarre. It's interesting. I've heard music therapists in the past talk about certain, um, like working in certain spaces where it moves from them feeling like they're aware of what's happening to almost feel like music is hosting them yeah. in the space and that it's not really them making anything happen anymore, but that like music is has become the the host of what's happening. It sounds that kind of sounds like what you're describing really. Yeah. How do you uh, go from that uh, I guess euphoric feeling to to coming off stage yes. and and how do you deal with the come down? Yeah, that's funny because when you especially when you're building up to a gig you get the nerves and you want it to be right and you want people to enjoy it and you get all these insecurities and like oh, oh I'm not and sometimes literally just before I've gone on stage like oh my god, I can't sing. Uh, what's happened I can't sing and then you're okay when you're on stage but and then it's a good gig you know and people seem to like it and we've all had a great time all the band and then sometimes it's a bit of a um I'm relieved actually all that stress and build up to this gig and then then you think oh when's the next gig I want to do another one now do you think that uh, music's good or bad for your mental health good I'd die without music. Music really directs me in my life. It it's it, it every day if if I don't listen to something that I'm you know really passionate about it 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 directs my moods how I'm feeling if I'm having a really bad day then I'm gonna you know listen to music or either create music make music and it just completely changes how I feel mentally and physically you know I, I couldn't go running without listening to music and I need to run you know running is part of my life I've got to have good strong lungs to sing and I couldn't run without music it also you know, if I feel like I, 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 I need a good cry and I need a release in that way, I'll play certain music and songs that will allow me to, you know, have a good release, have a good cry. And the same if I, you know, it's like everyone, if, I wanna, if I'm feeling down, I want to feel happy. Come on, let's, you've got to pick up this mood. I will play something that really resonates to me and I, it just determines how I feel. I just think it keeps me alive, you know, it makes me feel alive, every vibration, because we're, we're only made up of vibrations as human beings, we're masses of vibration, and that's what music is, and it really resonates with me in my soul, and it just, it just keeps, just keeps me alive. Your third uh, and final pick now, Colette, what is it? So I've chosen um, Bobby McGee, uh, Janis Joplin because I'm playing her in a one woman show and this song really resonates with me and I just think she just sings it with such soul good enough for me and my Bobby I think I think it's there's a sadness to it you know again it's um it's really a love song isn't it and um I like they're talking about when life was free and easy and 
things, how things change, how they've changed, how they've, you know, grown up and they've gone um, their own separate ways. But it's the way Janice sings it and just, it's one of the best songs on the planet. And she just has the, like, again, the rawness, the truth, the truth behind it. Do you think there are parallels between you and Janis Joplin? Every time I did a gig, somebody would always come up to me and say, oh, you're a mixture between Janis Joplin and Edith Piaf. And I just think, well, that's a really crazy thing to say because I've never, I just thought, but I took it as a compliment. Um, and then a producer approached me once and I was performing at the 100 Club and he said, oh, you should do, have you thought about doing a musical and playing somebody? I said, well, actually, maybe I'd like to play Janis Joplin. I couldn't play Edith Piaf because I just wouldn't remember all that French. And um and then, then I started, I uh, got with this great director and I started looking into her research and I read every book and we did workshops and um, started the writing process. And I realized whilst I was researching, this so, was so similar in so many ways. Her, her influence was Bessie Smith. We had all the same influences and similar backgrounds as well. And she's, you know, she's, a, she's an activist and she's, a, she's into, you know, she hates any injustice and I hate anything, any injustice on the human race or animals. I hate it. And I'm a, I'm really outspoken and I'll, I'll fight for what's right. And she was very like that. And also she wasn't a girly girl. And, and, um, I would never say I'm a girly girl. I'm a bit of a tomboy really at heart. And I just really, connected with her in so many ways and you know she was a good laugh she never took herself seriously she was you know she was loud she was fun and she had a deep sadness and um and she was just she just wanted to get off you know go and do her own thing and uh she was no you know she wasn't pretentious and she was just just a great character and and I, i guess with her voice um you know we both got sort of big voices and they're both husky so it's very similar in that way we've got large voices but um and I just thought yeah I should have a go at this and I've really really enjoyed it I've really got to know her more and but I've also realized by learning all her songs her range is incredible and I've had to really up my game because you know she's fantastic that's amazing that um someone who you've like vocally been compared to without knowing their story yeah. ended up being someone that you resonate with their actual life story as well like, yeah and what what a lovely thing that you then get to sort of channel all of that in playing playing her that's yeah it's that, brilliant I'm, if anything's gonna be an out-of-body experience I imagine <laughs> that will be oh, oh my god it, I definitely just I felt I embodied her yeah I guess the uh the 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 singing and uh and the acting there then so that 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 performance is is the ultimate in music therapy for you. Oh my God. Yeah, it's like a dream. Colette, it's been really fascinating talking to you. So good. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you like, so much. Hearing I've getting to it. getting to share in your music and your journey has, has been has been wonderful. And the to, to talk to someone who's so connected between like yeah, the the music that they're outputting, but how that connects to what's going on for them and like for your um, internal world and your emotions and the connection between those two things is a is a really wonderful thing. So thank you for uh, thank you for sharing with us because uh, oh, it's it's vulnerable. You. Yeah, no, I've, I've loved it. Colette Cooper, Lou, and I thought she was 
really honest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just the her willingness to open up about her story and the way that she's she's connected to music within that, like, so good. Is what she's doing, the way that she described her writing and performing and the characters and the theatre, the drama, is, is that her own form of music therapy? I mean, I guess in the respect that, like, she is genuinely using music and the arts for for her well-being. And in that respect, like, that's the way that we can all use music to, to help us to access our emotions and to process them. I think knowing the effect that certain music has on you... So, you know, she talked a lot about um, when she feels a certain way, she'll listen to a certain type of music, like... I think music has an effect on us all the time. Like, it's, you know, in film music, like, you don't realise the effect that music's having on you, but it does impact your, like, physical and internal world. And so, like, just starting to pay more attention to how the music that's playing makes us feel. And then you can start to use it way more intentionally, I think, once you start paying attention. Not everyone will like doing this, but I do love to just get people to, like, sing how they feel, like, even if you don't think that you're a singer, you doesn't have to rhyme, it doesn't have to be good, but sometimes to just, like, sing something, it makes you feel so much better to just get it out, and somehow singing it feels better than talking. So I'd be like, I had a really good conversation with Kelly Cooper, and I feel really good about everything she said. Or just make a big noise, that'll do. Like, you don't even have to have any yeah. words, but just to have that that outlet is it always to make people feel better no i think it is it's about connecting and allowing people to be in the space that they're in so it isn't about always someone leaving a session feeling better than they came in but feeling heard and that they've been able to communicate and feel more connected to another person and to themselves but that's it for this episode of three track therapy You've been listening to music therapist Louise Gregg and me, Chris Hawkins. For more information about music therapy, visit nordoff-robbins.org.uk. Nordoff Robbins Music Therapy is the UK's largest independent music therapy charity dedicated to bringing music therapy to those affected by mental health, life-limiting illness, isolation or disability.